Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there, where your two old bloggers been commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings for over two decades apiece, and that's not going to stop today. We're going to continue with that trend. And we've got some new things in store for you today, but you're going to have to wait till after the rolling to see them, because I'm not going to tell you about them. The only thing I'm going to tell you about is we finish up, not only with Justin Jefferson discussion about what he said during the week, but we also finish up evaluating the wide receivers from last season. And should the Vikings move on from a couple of them? Should they target some other ones in free agency or the draft? We're going to find out next on Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. <laughs> and software seems a little bit slow today. Oh, we'll deal with that, though. Anyways, I want to welcome everybody that's in the chat. I see Jason. I see Giatano. I see Mafia. Norsefius, tacos sounds fantastic. Absolutely great. I might just have to do that today, or at least something similar, some burritos or something. Speaking of burritos, do they have burritos up there in the great white north there, Darren? They do, but I think they'd be a poor substitute for the, the real thing down in, <laughs> in your neck of the woods where they really know how to make burritos. Oh, and they do. Trust me, they do, they do, they do. Hey, Purple Poopy Pants, welcome to the show. <laughs> There's uh, uh, How are things in the Great White North for you? Oh, good, Dave. Uh, yeah, uh, one more Day of football, right? NFL football, anyway. Tomorrow, big Super Bowl coming on, and then after that, eight Up months games, of nothing. Yes. Yeah. Well, of- I don't got- like. I don't count the NFL, XFL because I don't watch it. And actually, I need a break from football after <laughs> this season's right. over. But we do day. have coming up the combine, and then yes. you know other pro days and preparation for the draft, and then we have the draft. And so it sort that of never true. stops. It'll no slow- one does. And that's the way the NFL wants it. And that's exactly the way the NFL wants it. And they'll announce, have an announcement week of what the schedules are and who's getting the next draft location, who's getting the next Super Bowl location. All that sort of stuff happens because they want to keep up the interest. But the time it really sort of sl- starts to slow down is after the draft itself. A couple of weeks yes. after, once we get done dissecting all our draft picks, and then we wait on August for everybody to come in. Yes, we have a few OTAs in between, and we get little tidbits about, you know, the players. But And we'll be here all during that time period. So it's going to be fun. Well, today, I titled this off of one of our subjects, What Did Justin Jefferson Say During the Week? That got a whole bunch of Vikings Twitter and the Vikings sphere over on Facebook and everywhere else up, all wrapped up in a tizzy. And the question is, why? Well, we'll get there when we get there. But first, we're introducing a new segment coming next. And I see Tyler's joined us. Welcome to the show, Tyler. The new segment is... As Darren's looking into the lake, see if there's fish in there. This week in Vikings (laughs) land. 
yeah, this is going to be kind of like quick hitters uh, where we're going to do this regularly now. Uh, This is one of the new segments on Two Out Bloggers and uh, looking at, you know, people who who have been watching the show for a while, Dave, they know the quick hitters segment where we go on two or three or four quick, try to be quick about it uh, and uh, go to at... uh, delve into two or three or four subjects that uh, are related to the Vikings. Like this week in Vikings land, we're going to do this pretty much every week uh, now. And uh, this will be kind of the quick hitters where we're going to go short and snappy, look at things that the Vikings have done or that have impacted the Vikings. Uh, interesting stuff, news, uh, what we think is news, and and just dive into it and, and talk about what it means for the Vikings and how it's going to impact them. So I'm excited to launch this puppy. Sounds great. Well, the first topic you wanted to get into was, uh, ooh, missed it. I got it out of order right here. Turnovers, or what was wrong with the Vikings? We'll start here. What went wrong with the Vikings this season? Yeah, well, Dave, if if you, I think if, for me, if you were to sum up or kind of think of one word that summed up the, the Viking season, I think it would be injuries. That would be the first word that comes to mind to me. But the second would be turnovers. And (laughs) uh, the reason why is because uh, the Vikings committed 34 of them in 2023. Uh, Only the Cleveland Browns were worse uh, in in turnovers. They they committed 37 this year. Still made the playoffs somehow, but uh, (laughs) they were the worst in the league in that. Vikings were tied for second worst. Uh, I think tied, or anyway, they were second second worst in 34. Mm -hmm. They were bad. And as you would expect, that those turnovers cost the Vikings a lot of games um, in the season. And and you know, back in September when the Vikings were, this was cropping up, uh, starting to crop up at the, initially. Kevin O'Connell talked about how he was going to coach it and focus on it. And the quote's right up there. Uh, I need to do a better job and our staff. I need to do a better job and our staff, he said in September. We got to go back and continue to find ways to reemphasize how important it is when you have the football in your hands playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and he said he was going to work on it. They were trying different things. They bought stuff off the internet to try to make, uh, uh, you know, for, to improve the ball security. The turnover, turnovers continued to happen. So he didn't, did he fix it? No. But I would argue, we we'll want to look into why that, that fix did not happen. And I think really it, can, it comes down to, in a lot of ways, three players doomed the Vikings as far as trying to fix the turnover of issue. And they all happened to play the quarterback position. <laughs> <laughs> well, not all of them, but okay. Yes. Well, yes. I, I think later on in the season. Now at the beginning of the season, fumbles were the big issue, Dave, for the most part. Yeah. Kirk Cousins threw some interceptions and some ill-timed ones at that, but eight of our 12 turnovers, the first six games were fumbles and everybody was doing, you know, several players were doing it. Five different guys. Justin Jefferson had one. TJ Hawkinson had one. Alexander Madison had one. Josh Oliver had one. Um, Kirk Cousins had a few. Uh, so there were several players getting into the, the act here uh, that really cost them. And that was, uh, you know, you got, I forgot about Brandon Powell. Uh, he, he fumbled on a punt return on a punt return and a good punt return too against the Eagles. So again, uh, we had a whole bunch of different players doing that early on in the season, but the fumbling 
and I think at the time I, I commented on, this is kind of random. I expect it to get fixed, blah, 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 blah. And the fumbling did after, because after game 11 against Denver, when Alexander Madison had that very poor, ill-timed fumble, no other Vikings player other than a quarterback fumbled the ball, whether we recovered it or the other team did. No, none, no other Vikings <laughs> player besides a quarterback. Uh, yeah. And so the fumbling, we got it fixed. Nobody put the ball on the ground other than our quarterbacks. The problem was, but the turnovers didn't didn't stop. Uh, and then it switched from fumbling to interceptions. And that was really the issue the last part of the season. And surprise, surprise, what was the problem with that was that you know, once Kirk Cousins went down for the year against Green Bay in that in game eight, you had Jaron Hall and then Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins. And between the three of them, they had 14 interceptions in the last seven games combined. They also fumbled, Hall and Dobbs fumbled seven times in those la- in their starts during that stretch. So there was a, and I think six of those got recovered by opponents. So a lot of stuff going on there with backup quarterbacks. I find it hard to believe that if Kirk Cousins had played the whole year like we expected, there's no way he was going to he was going to throw 14 interceptions in the last 7-8 games of the season. That is just not the quarterback he has been uh, throughout his career. He doesn't turn over the ball that much. So, I think when Kevin O'Connell said we're going to do all we can to fix that, I think he did on the fumbling. On the interceptions, he could not. But that is something that I think is more on the talent he was working with and the fact that he had three backup quarterbacks he was working with. And two of them, Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins, have proven during their time in the NFL that they are turnover machines, Dave. <laughs> so, uh, but I, they're fun to watch. I got to give them both. They're a blast to watch. They can be, yes. For different reasons. Dobbs, because he can run with his legs, and Mullins, because he can throw 400-plus yards a game. And still, you know, get by with two or three interceptions in that same game. Yeah. My opinion. It's just yeah. fun. Yeah. Just fun. But nerve-wracking look, because it's our team, <clears throat> but fun. Yes. But I think Kevin O'Connell did, uh, again, as far as working on ball security, everybody other than our backup quarterbacks, he was able to, the whole coaching staff, based on the data, was able to rectify that in the early issue. But they couldn't overcome the fact that they were putting in, had the guy at the most important position in football. Uh, They had guys that they didn't really want to have playing there, playing there, and they turned over the ball a lot. And that Mm -hmm. was something I don't think probably any coach, other than them, O'Connell, running the ball all the time or telling them not to throw the ball, (laughs) you know, those guys were going to turn it over. And they did. All right. Next one in this series. What did he say? Well, Justin Jefferson, of course, is he's making the rounds this week at Super Bowl on all kinds of various radio shows. And with the mic in front of his face, he's been saying some things that have been, <laughs> you know, have made some waves, I guess. Uh, um, he was on you know, appearances on Sirius XM radio. I heard him on floor. Mark, my, he was on my, with Mike Florio and Chris Sims as well. Probably a few others. And he was saying things like, I want to break the bank with my next, with my next contract. I know what I'm worth. I think eventually the Vikings are going to do what they need to do to get me back into the, back into the, the, the building, but time will tell. So 
that's not exactly the kind of language that a Vikings fan wants to hear from Justin Jefferson in a way, because you want him to just say, yeah, I'm going to be back. I'm confident I'm going to be back and all of that. But, but I really think that if you're worried about Justin Jefferson and if he, you think he's, these comments show that he's dissatisfied with his, his state, you know, with what's going on with this contract and being on the team, I don't think you have to worry because a, we know when Justin Jefferson signs his contract, it's going to be the biggest contract a wide receiver has ever signed um, for a few minutes anyway, until the next guy <laughs> signs one. Well, but and it, probably for a while. Um, yes, but we'll we'll find out at least a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I'm I'm, I'm joking a bit, but uh, he won't be the highest paid forever. That's just the way it goes. But he's going to get paid, and it's going to be massive, and. It's going to be with the Vikings, Dave. No doubt in my mind that that's the case. I think the the, the thing here is that when you've got a, a contract that's that significant for Justin Jefferson, is going to be that much money over so many years, the Vikings do have to figure out uh, how that's going to work financially so that they can make Justin Jefferson happy, keep him on the team, but also not hamstring their franchise so that they can't fill the other roster spots and they don't they have enough resources, particularly financially, to again fill all the roster spots and build a complete team, just not a team with a couple of great players and then everybody else is low paid uh, fluff. Mm-hmm. So I think that what's going to happen here with Kwesi Dovamens is that uh, I think, first off, he's got to figure, once he knows, one thing is the salary cap. Once they know what the salary cap is, and we I think we're hearing it's going to be over $240 million or something this year, uh, looking at, uh, they got to know Couch what the salary change. cap is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they, they've got to know what that is. That gives them a, a firm number to 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 uh, you know work on the financials and dollar figures for all the players that are going to make up the fifty three on the Vikings. So they got to get that figured out, and that'll happen here in the next month. And then after during March, during free agency, when the Vikings sign guys commit money to them. They finish extending guys and shuffling money around and releasing other guys to free up more cap space. Then they're going to have a full picture on what their salary cap is looking like in 2024 and probably a bit beyond that. And then I think that's when they're going to get down to work and sign JJ to an extension. Um, And uh, that's my feeling, but I, I'm not worried about this. I'd be more worried about it if you get into like late in training camp and you still haven't done it, but it's going to get done and Justin Jefferson is going to be a Viking and that's all there is to it. I'm not worried. I do believe it'll probably get done this spring versus later towards the season. Now, why I selected this picture with Quasi is that the Wolves, all right, we figure. He's going to be the highest. You said the highest wide receiver. That's going to be for sure. We figure the highest, and he said this week, non-quarterback position played. So he's looking at money in the $35 million range. Mm-hmm. Well, a big chunk of that, and supposedly why it stopped the negotiations, you know, went up to the last minute last year and then sort of stopped, was they didn't figure out uh, dot all the uh, T's and cross all the I's, right, like they were supposed to. And there was a little sticking points on guarantees, and it's the guarantees. And when there's guarantees and bonus, Mr. Wilf has got to pony up that money and throw it into a trust account at that time, him and the ownership group. Now, have they ever not done that? No, they have never not done that whatsoever. But if you're figuring a five-year, $175 million type contract, 
with at least 60% of that guaranteed, that's mm-hmm. a lot of money to put in a bank straight off the get-go so that he can be paid and that it's there during that time period, however the NFL uses that to where it's all all that money's banked and you can't lose it and stuff like that. And that's that what that prevents some teams, some cash poor teams, from signing big players and making big contracts. Minnesota has never been in that case. The Wolves have always coughed up that money, which is cool because you know you suddenly you got to go to the rest of the owners group and go, hey, we got to come up with to put a hundred million dollars in the bank. Here, can you you know empty your pockets real quick so we can do it? That's a lot of money, and. But I do believe they will probably get it done. I'm betting this spring. I don't think this drags out till August or September. I think this is. I think they were real close last year, mm-hmm. and I th- whatever it is is going to be resolved. You know, it may be right after free agency starts, so they see where some of the highest stuff goes, so they can measure against that. But I don't think there's anybody on the free agent market not being a quarterback that's going to bust $35 million. I know there's that talent isn't out there right this year. Quarterbacks will, yes. yes. Their cousins will probably get over 40. But it's not – there's not going to be the other. So I suspect within you know a week of what? Free agency starts March 13th. I expect within a week or two that we'll have a, a big announcement and – they do it. Now, I could be wrong, been wrong many times before, but it's going to be done. I'm not worried about Justin Jefferson. And they're going to pay him. Now, $35 million, that's a big chunk of the cap, percentage-wise. But you've got to play your, pay your star players. You've got to pay that money somewhere. And there seems to be a gap between the very, very elite, and everybody else, well, J.J. falls into that very, very elite, and you want to spend that money that way. So I think it's a good move by the Vikings, and then they'll work forward on other contracts, and they'll move money around however they need to. But I think J.J.'s going to get done. I, I agree with you. I have no doubt that this is going to go and happen. So people need to stop worrying about it. It's He's not getting traded. He's not getting traded. Uh, he's not going to be holding out. Uh, the Vikings are going to get this done. After going 7-10, and 10, you think the Vikings are going to go into 2024 with just Jefferson sitting on the sidelines or trading him? Like, it's just not happening. They're going to sign him. And and Jefferson saying that he wants to break the bank, again, that is not a news. Uh, and I think that's, that's just his kind of way of saying, hey, boys, uh, I want to be here, but uh, – you know, I'm gonna. I want to be paid what I should be paid, and and uh, that what he should be paid is the top contract for any non-football player out there, right. non-quarterback. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I agree, and I think it's going to happen, and I think it will happen happily. I don't think there's going to be any angst about it. So, and it no. sells, sets up. Once he's under contract for a long time, even if he's not under contract, he's still playing with us this year and probably the next two years after that. But he's still playing with us this year. So it sets up if the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins, which I suspect the next quarterback comes into a just 
perfect situation with two bookend tackles and wide receiver weapons out the yin-yang, and one of them being the best wide receiver in the league. It sets it up perfectly. So if um, we draft J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, he's they're set up. If we draft uh, Jaden Daniels or whoever it is the Vikings get, they're set up perfectly. Do you think... You know, Mullins was that good that he threw over 400 yards if he would would not have had Justin Jefferson? No way, right? That helps because not only is he that good at catching the ball, he's that good at commanding defensive coverages, which helps the other guys to catch the ball. So mm-hmm. that's why you keep him. You get some schlub. Or some draft pick because people trade him and draft somebody. You can find somebody. Well, no, you can't find a generational player that demands the defense pays attention to him every single year. Sorry, that does not happen. So and look and look how long we were lost in the wilderness of wide receiver after we traded Randy Moss in two thousand five. It took until basically until they drafted Digsy in two thousand fifteen. We could not. Now, Sidney Rice was good, but unfortunately had a lot of injuries and couldn't stay healthy, and he just had the one year. But up until up until that, it was like a wasteland at wide receiver for the Vikings, and we didn't get it fixed until we, we got lucky with Adam Thielen, like hugely lucky with Adam Thielen, and drafted Digsy, and then mm-hmm. you know, things have, been, have, uh, have been better calmed since. down. Yeah. yeah. Well, that moves us on to our next topic. Got some great chat going on. Yes. Thanks for the comments, everybody. Snubbed again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's <laughs> shaking his head. He's not happy. I'm not happy. I am but, not happy. Uh-uh. No. Not a uh, and, <laughs> the it's it, like it seems every year around this time, well, a little bit earlier actually, it, like Vikings fans get pissed because Jim Marshall got snubbed for the Hall of Fame for like the 200th year in a row. Uh, and, and this week we found out that another Vikings legend also got snubbed by the Hall of Fame in Jared Allen. Uh, was eligible in 2021 to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And so he's four straight years now. He has not made the cut. Been a finalist the past couple, uh, but has not made the cut. Um, back when he was eligible, I I think we discussed this on the show way back then. But uh, you know, I felt that... Um, yeah, maybe Allen's not going to make it in his first year of eligibility, but certainly in year two or three, I figured he'd get in. Uh, nope. <laughs> Has not happened so far. And so that gets me to wondering, worrying, whatever it is about whether Jared is going to make it in at all. And that is what's pissing you off. What's pissing me off is that he's got a fantastic resume to get into the Hall of Fame. 136 sacks all-time. So that's 16th all-time. The other 15 guys ahead of him are already in the Hall of Fame, including Julius Peppers, who got inducted, is being inducted mm-hmm. this year. This week. Yeah. A uh, hundred and... This year. Yeah. And, oh, uh, Joe's talking about Paul Krause. Took almost 20 years to make it into Cam- Canton, and he's the interception king. Yeah, you know, well, I didn't realize it was that long, actually. Uh, Joe, that's that's a crime as well. But at least he made it. Now, we're still waiting on both Marshall and Jared Allen. Both should be in there. Um, 
uh, you know, continuing with the resume, Jared Allen res- resume, 136 sacks, 16th all time, 171 tackles for loss, which is a humongous amount of tackles for a loss for a defensive player, 32 forced fumbles, which is 25th all time. And we know that in this era that Allen has played, uh, there's not nearly as many fumbles as there used to be in in, in them olden days. You know, ball security has, has been so much improved. The technique and protecting the football is so much better than it was in the 60s, 70s, even in the 80s. Um, and looking at pro football reference, we've used this before. They have an approximate value metric for the worth of a player throughout a season and for his career. Um Jared Allen's is 127. That's very, very good. And it's much higher than several other defensive ends who are already in the Hall of Fame, like Leroy Selman, for one, like Claude Humphrey, different eras, but still higher than that. And his approximate value is higher than, look at that, Claude Humphrey. Look at that big old cast on his hand there, Dave. It just brings it out. It's just, wow. Back in the day, (laughs) you could head slap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not so great for the old melon of the opposing player who got the head slap, but still. Uh, but that's know. how they played back then. They played. Um, and his approximate value is higher than one guy, Dwight Freeney, who did also get in, <laughs> is going to be enshrined this year, Dave. And he had more. He has more sacks than Dwight Freeney and played fewer years than Dwight Freeney. Sacks aren't everything, but he, several of his sacks, tackles, um, tackles for a loss, the sacks, uh, he's got better stats than Freeney over less playing time. Um, now, why did Freeney get in and Jared Allen didn't? We talk about this all the time with Vikings, Dave. It all comes down to when you played the primetime games and the Super Bowls. Allen didn't even play in a Super Bowl. Dwight Freeney played in two, and he's got a Super Bowl ring. And and he played 15 years, was it? Most of it with Peyton Allen, Peyton, Peyton Allen, Peyton Manning, Indianapolis, the high wire passing act on prime time, constantly playing the Patriots, playing the Steelers, playing here and there. And so people just got to see a lot more Dwight Freeney, even though Allen was super, super dominant for a lot of the time that he was in the NFL, just as dominant and if not more than Dwight Freeney. Uh, but again, Super Bowl rings matter when it comes to the Hall of Fame voters and how often you played in prime time with all many eyes on you matters. It's uh, somebody when this happened this week and Jared got stumped. I was talking to some folks from Fans First Sports Network, which we're a part of, that report for other teams. And they knew I was a little bit upset. And one of the things I was blaming was Bounty Gate. If in 2009, that whole dirty (laughs) coaching style and play from that team hadn't taken place, we would have easily won that game despite the 12 men in the huddle, despite... Brett thrown across his body. And Jared Allen would have gone to the Super Bowl. Whether he won it or not, it's a different story. But he probably yeah. would have because they would have been against the Colts and the Colts weren't that good. And that would have been, I think, Freeney's team or one of Freeney's teams. But he would have that on his resume. And he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot if that's the case. You are 100% correct. Minnesota doesn't get the visibility 
normally as other teams do. Now, Indy generally doesn't either, but they're, it's generally more likable, especially during the Peyton Manning era. Well, they, they got lots of visibility in that era anyway, when, yeah. while Manning was quarterbacking them. And versus the Minnesota Vikings. So it just, it bites. Giotano says it would have been against the Broncos. I think we would have won that one too. So either way, I if they'd made it past the Saints in that game, I think we would have won. But the Saints were out to, uh, he says, no, yeah, I was right, the Colts. The Saints were out for blood. They were out to injure and maim. And that helped cost not us, not only the game, not only Brett Favre and his injuries, but it looks like it's going to cost Jared Allen the ability to go to the NFL Hall of Fame or the Pro Bowl or the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's not the only one. Kevin Williams should be there. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's made it through that first selection. He's now going to wait to fall into senior status. And that's absolute bullshit. <laughs> but Jared Allen should be in there now. And he's not. And it's another snub. And it had me upset. People over on Fans First Sports Network. And, and it was just... And the, the thing is with that, now that he's gone four years, Dave, and not making the the, the Hall of Fame, is that uh, next year, you know, it, it, it it's just one more year. It's just another year where his career and the writers who vote, the people who vote on her, his, his career is further away from their, like, consciousness of of that and so now there's going to be a new crop of players next year they're going to be eligible they would have played uh, more recently than jared allen will have played they'll they'll have you know the, those writers those voters may remember what those guys did more they may be more uh, fixated on those new guys and assessing them as opposed to the older guys and so there's and then and of course one of those is Terrell Suggs, who plays similar position, he was more of an edge rusher. I guess he was an edge rusher outside linebacker, not a defensive right. end, but basically a pass rusher. That's right. what he did. That's what Jared Allen did. He's up for for the Hall of Fame next as el- he'll be his first year of eligibility next year. He's got two Super Bowl wings. You think he's getting in? Uh, yep, <laughs> right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'll and if they're if there, you know, if there's a lot of guys that uh, they're having trouble deciding or are very close, then are they going to let in two defensive ends, pass rushers in, or just one and try to, and when they don't want to leave off, maybe a linebacker or a running back wide or something. Receiver like or whatever. Now, when the wide receivers built up, they did do a, and this has happened, I think, a couple times when they've got good players that build up for a while, they do a whole, let's do a batch. And they brought them in. But it's hard to see. All I can. All it pictures to me is this man and that Jared Allen's going to follow in the same fate, but mm. I hope not. There you go, Anthony. There's your picture of the day. There it is. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, I just, it, you hit a hot topic with me this week when you selected that because I think Jared Allen got screwed. But, hey. Now, the same thing kind of was happening with Chris Carter for a few years, too. And mm-hmm. we were like, how come he didn't get in? How come he didn't? It was when, I think it went two or three years after his elder. And he did get in. So, 
certainly all is not lost for Jared Allen. I just feel that again, when you, uh, like I said, the, the more years go by that you don't get in, uh, I think the, the voters look less, uh, think your candidacy is less worthy than some of the newer people in there and uh, more of a chance for you to get uh, bypassed. And I don't understand why, how you could bypass Jared Allen, who when in his prime was considered one of the top two or three pass rushers in the NFL. He got 22 sacks one year, which was the second most in NFL history, I think, at that and point. And it should have set the record if Brett Favre yeah, hadn't laid down. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just... Ah. Well, going from one depressing topic to another, now on to <laughs> theme two. <laughs> This is one of our new segments. It is. Uh, we're calling it Vikings Vault, Dave. Um, Going to be looking into the the Vikings have been around 60 plus years. Uh, a lot of things have happened during that time. They have a rich history, uh, I feel. And Justin's there wanting people, more people to pump the like button. Yes, please do that. Um, the Viking Vault, we're going to take a look at at Vikings history here. Again, not going to do this every week. Might be once a month thing, but we're kind of going to, going to take a look at uh, maybe uh, a, a, a player who had uh, an underappreciated season uh, and never did it again. Or we could be looking at some significant trade that maybe we've forgotten about. Or we could be looking at some coach or team that accomplished something you know surprising that, again, may have been forgotten about. Uh, going to be some good. There's going to be some bad Today, we're going to start with the bad. <laughs> well, hey, we're two old bloggers. We may have lived through some of this. So, yes. you youngsters out there, and I use that tongue-in-cheek, that came in in the Randy Moss era, this is before that. And get ready, because the drama was just as big, and uh, everybody was just as interested, interested in all we couldn't watch it, you know. We couldn't talk about it on online. We all had to wait for the newspapers and the magazines and stuff like that to come out. But we cared just as much, and it still goes on today. Bo, who are we starting with today? We are going to start with the Les Steckel experience. When I said the bad, we're talking about the very, very bad, Dave. Uh, And the reason I picked this one, we're a week late, but January the 29th was the 40th, would have been the 40th, was the 40th anniversary of this guy, the great Bud Grant, retiring as Vikings head coach, the second coach, the second coach in Vikings history. Uh, And on January 29th, he retired, which led to, I don't think it was on the exact same day, but which led to, Les Steckel being named the replacement to Ooh. Bud Grant. Les Steckel was going to be our third, was the third head coach in Vikings history as we go to black and white here. Yes, got to get in the mood. <laughs> We're talking about the past. Let's go to That's black and right. white. <laughs> and, uh, of course, and the funny thing about Les Steckel is, uh, is that he, he was only head coach for one year. It was a disastrous year. But even the newbie, Vikings fans eventually hear about Les Steckel because this year is so infamous, was so terrible. Uh, it was something we never, ever want to see before again. That Les Steckel is almost as famous as somebody like Randy Moss, <laughs> but mm-hmm. just in the, in the wrong in the way. Opposite. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and so I, I think for those that don't know, Steckel came in. He'd been on the Viking staff previously, wide receivers coach, I believe, uh, and drill sergeant, been in the Marines, uh, and was 36 years old at the time. Mike Lynn hired him. Re- apparently really, really wanted to hire him. Bud Grant wanted to hire, was, really wanted Jerry Burns to get the job. Mike Lynn wanted Les Steckel to get the job. He think they, he th- thought they needed somebody younger, um, you know, more enthusiastic perhaps, although Burns, he's pretty enthusiastic. <laughs> enthusiastic with the F-bombs anyway. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So they ended up hiring Les Steckel. Uh-huh. I think most of us know how that turned out. Uh, ended up being three and thirteen. Um, there have not been many three win seasons in the Vikings' uh, long history, Dave. In oh, fact, oh, oh, oh. in that nineteen eighty four season that ended up three and thirteen with Les Steckel, that it was the the worst season before that was nineteen sixty seven. Bud Grant's first year when the Vikings went three eight and three, and they haven't had a three win win season. Uh, the only other three win season they had, three and thirteen season they had, was two thousand and thirteen under Leslie Frazier. And Norsevius got this. He's already commented. Not two thousand thirteen, two thousand eleven. Sorry about that. Uh, was uh, I would just want to? I wanted to like kind of hammer home how bad the Vikings were under Les Steckel. So going to run through a few stats for you here. Uh, cover your eyes if you much must, but. <laughs> Or your ears. <laughs> Their point, the Vikings' point differential that season under Les Steckel was minus 208. 208. Minus 208. Minus 208. And this so is in 1984. They'd gone to the 16-game season by yes. then, I believe. Yes. Yeah, they're 3-13. and 13. That, And if you wonder how bad that is, that is a whopping 99 points more than the second worst point differential in franchise history, which also happened to be 2011 when the Vikings went 3-13, when we were a minus 109. So now, not surprisingly, that year, the Vikings were also, uh, they were last in points given up and in yardage given up. And the only time the Vikings have been last in points given up, Dave, was in 2013, again, under Leslie Frazier. <laughs> and they've never been last in points given up. Uh, we were pretty paltry uh, as far as production-wise, not surprising on offense. Our top rusher was Alfred Anderson, ran for 773 yards that year. Our top receiver was Leo Lewis, all 5'8 and 170 pounds of him, Dave, 47 catches. Uh, 47. 47. 47. Our tight end who went out with an injury this year had more than that. And JJ, after four games, had almost that many catches. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Uh, granted, it's a different time in football. More running and stuff, but still, that's freaking crazy. Sorry, folks, I need to pour Uh, my soldier here. The Vikings, the the Vikings started the season under Les Steckel not so bad. They were two and two, and then they went on to lose eleven of their last twelve games. And in the final six games, they were outscored two hundred and forty-one to ninety-seven. Oh, wow. uh, they just got because the Vikings. A lot of the players mutinied against Steckel and his hard-ass ways, and his and his like trying to run boot camps and almost every practice, and then a lot of them quit on him. So well, just I a granted, really, it was the end of the Purple People Eaters. Those guys were yes. getting old. But they still had talent over there. (laughs) 
They did, but Dave, uh, again, a little bit of retrospective on just how bad they were under Les Steckel that year. And um, But the, the thing I was... I think some of the people who watch this show regularly for the past several months still know uh, we just had a major, major domo wildfire season in the Northwest Territories where I live. Evacuations all over the place, four million hectares of land burnt. Uh, but the thing about wildfires is, I'm going to do an analogy here, but the first thing about wild, the thing about wildfires is, is that uh, as devastating as they can be, they also are somewhat necessary for the ecosystem in a way. And that, and then when you get a big burn through an area, it you know things don't stay dead. You get a regrowth for the vegetation in the area, and it's and regrowth in the ecosystem, and things you know rise again and regrow and and become green and lush all over again. And I kind of look at Les Steckles. <laughs> You know, the 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 the, the Vikings, you know, their history up until they had Bud Grant, you know, they had just a massive amount of success, right? Uh-huh. Like uh, twelve playoff appearances in his seventeen seasons as head coach before he retired. They won the NFC Central eleven times. They went to the Super Bowl four times. They were a powerhouse. They were a dynasty for much of Grant's time as a head coach. A dynasty that didn't win any Super Bowls, but still a dynasty. And <laughs> you know, Les Steckel was kind of like. When he came in, he was like a massive wildfire that burned everything to the goddamn ground and, and you know, got burned to the stubs. And then there had to be a regrowth of the Vikings franchise. And that's gradually what happened. And it let, the regrowth happened under Jerry Burns, who took over in 1986 after Bud came back in 85. And they draft, got some, you know, made some nice drafts. They got some players from the USFL. And then we had those very, very good, not not dynastic, but very good late 80s teams that gave us hope again and came within a, a drop Darren Nelson pass from getting to the Super Bowl. So um, Les Steckel was the wildfire for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And afterwards came Jerry Burns. Yes. Burnsy. That is wonderful language, use of the English language. Now, it's, folks, I hope you enjoyed that first Vikings Vault uh, segment that we've had. We, we do want to bring more from those of us that were there. 1984 for me, I was graduating college and moving on. I didn't follow because there was no national broadcast of Vikings football. And I was in a different part of the country. So that's part of my lost years, quote, my lost years, where I wasn't paying as close of attention, but it was a disaster of the year. And I'm sort of glad I didn't pay that close of attention, but I'm still well aware of what happened that year and how bad it was. Just think, being over 200 points in the deficit of scoring. And even now today, with the prolific offenses that we have that can generate points, the rule changes that foster those offenses, I still don't think you get minus 200-plus in the hole. I don't think there's teams that bad. That's how bad they were. And like you said, Darren, it's like the forest fires that ravage through the Northwest. It clears out the old and comes the new. 
And Jerry Burns started that new. And we won quite a few games. And we got right on track until Mike Lynn decided to trade for a running back. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole different story. Mike. It is. Yeah. Story. That's true. And a bit of several people mentioning some of those new uh, players that led to that regrowth, like Chris Dolman, who I think uh, be, because of how terrible we were in 84, we got the opportunity to have a draft pick where we picked Chris Dolman mm-hmm. very early. And then Keith Millard, who we'd actually picked, I think, in 84, but he was at the USFL at that point. He didn't sign mm-hmm. with us. Henry Thomas, and on and on it goes. So yep. the Vikings certainly did draft very well in that in that mid to late 80s portion uh, and built up those teams that became very good and very competitive and and were a force again. Mm-hmm. And that, that period was the last of the big shoulder pads, too. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our final segment. Of the day. Wide receivers. Yeah, this is the um, the last positional unit on offense that we're going to talk about uh, and look at, again, what the Vikings have going into 2024 uh, and what they need to do to improve on that, if anything. Um, and... <clears throat> With the wide receiver unit, I think it's a lot like a lot of the Vikings positional units, Dave, where you got some really awesome players uh, in there, and then also a lot of concerns about who's behind those players, <laughs> like mm-hmm. as far as depth goes. Uh, and the Vikings wide receiver unit is is like that for me, Dave. And and look at the wide receiver side of things. I I don't think we have to talk very much about Justin Jefferson. We already did. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, when he's healthy, he's uh, like baseline is 120 catches, 1600 yards or so, uh, 10 TDs. And he's going to just, he's going to do that steady for the next six, seven years. Um, so contract extension, let's get it done. I expect it, get it done in the spring, like you said, and he'll be a Viking and that'll be awesome. We just have to hope he stays healthy. Jordan Addison, another guy I don't think we have to worry about. He had a very good rookie season. Uh, cool. He's going to be the guy starting opposite of JJ next year. Um, I think with him, Dave, uh, the, if there's anything that he could improve on, I, I would... He did go quiet at times, uh, disappear in some games, uh, maybe probably a bit too often for me. Part of that was I, I blame the quarterbacking play with the, the backups, particularly when Josh Dobbs was struggling. I think if you had Kirk Cousins in there, uh, you wouldn't have saw some of those dry spells and two or three catch games from him that you saw in the second half. But um, And also, I think his scouting report uh, out of college ended up being quite true at the NFL level where uh, he's a little small. He's not going to be a guy who's going to uh, get the contested catches, but man, is he a big play guy and mm-hmm. 10, 10 t- uh, receiving touchdowns, Dave, that is second most by an, uh, by a Vikings rookie wide receiver in franchise history. He tied the great Sammy white, who also had 10 in 1976. Love that picture. Love those uniforms. Mm-hmm. And then the, the only one who's greater who had more of course is, all 84, Randy Moss, 17 in his rookie season in 1998. So uh-huh. can't, uh, you know, Jordan's future here, Jordan Addison's future in the with the Vikings is bright, and he's a great complement to Justin Jefferson and going to create a lot of headaches for uh, the teams that the Vikings play in the years to come. Now, after that is where we got the question marks, uh, Dave, and 
because the guys that we have under contract besides Addison and Justin Jefferson, uh, Jalen Naylor, uh, Lucky Jackson, and Keel Harry, um, Tristan Jackson, and various other guys on the practice squad, they're either unproven or fringe guys uh, either uh, and we just don't, they're never going to amount to anything or we don't have no real great uh, confidence in what they're going to amount to. Uh, the Vikings need to um, up the talent level at the wide receiver beyond, beyond those guys. And the big question, and we do have some, we've had some in the previous years. The, the big questions are, okay, let's look at our number three guy, KJ Osborne from last year or somewhat number two. Uh, I think, you know, I, I love what KJ has been able to do. Fifth rounder, long shot to really be make something out of himself. Became a very solid starter in three in the last three years. A productive wide receiver for the Vikings. Um, I think the Vikings they know what they have in KJ. I think that they would like to get him back, but it has to be at the right price. And for KJ, on the other, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he likes it in Minnesota, but he knows that. If he were to resign here, when TJ Hawkinson comes back, he becomes the number four receiving option in this team. And I think that he wants to make a bit more money and get a bit more opportunity somewhere else. And there are several teams that could potentially provide that opportunity for him, like, say, Carolina, where Adam Thielen is currently resigning. Exactly. Uh, so I don't think that KJ Osborne is going to be back with the Vikings. I think that is okay as long as we do some things. Brand, uh, Brandon Powell. Now, I like Brandon Powell. Uh, he had uh, he had uh, career highs in receiving in catches and receiving yards this year. He was a capable, if unspectacular, punt returner. Um, I think the Vikings capable. have interest. I think he averaged over nine yards, which is my marking point. If you do plus nine, you're good. He may have been just barely below. I thought that, he, was he was under that. I thought he was under that. He may have been. Uh, We'll get to special teams in, in yeah. a, a future episode. So. Sure-handed guy, wasn't afraid to take chances, uh, didn't fair catch all the time. Those are things I think are important for a punt returner. Uh, I think he did a, a you know pretty good job as a punt returner. Um, I think the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell likes him. I think the Vikings would have an interest in bringing him back. He won't cost very much. So I could see him coming back. I do think the Vikings could do better than Brandon Powell, though, uh, as a potential number four, number three guy. Um how do you get better? Well, especially if you say KJ is gone and you and you don't bring back Brandon Powell, you have to. I think you have to up the talent level in the wide receiver position. Well, free agency is one way to do it. The problem there is that a lot of the top guys, the, the top four, Mike Evans, um, you know, Calvin Ridley, um, Michael Michael Pittman. There's somebody else I'm forgetting, um, but those guys. They're either going to be, I think, too expensive. They're either going to re-sign with the teams that they already are, are you know, have been playing for, or Higgins. Uh, right, T. Higgins with the Bengals. Yes, they're going to, either going to re-sign with the teams that they are already playing for, or they're going to be. Uh, their asking price is going to be too big for the Vikings to get into, especially when you got Justin Jefferson that you got to got to extend so i don't see them being as uh, the, you know viable free agency targets for the vikings but uh, so you got to go down a tier uh, one person i would be interested in targeting would be donovan peoples jones he did not have a good year this year he bounced he went to uh, browns got traded to the lions late in the season he only ended up with 25 catches about 200 yards 
But in 2022, he had 61 catches and over about 839 yards. Uh, he's still young. He won't turn 25 until I believe, um, well, he turns 25 next week, February the 19th. Uh, young, he's 6'2", about 215. He's So he's bigger than just about every Vikings receiver that we have currently under contract, except for Ankeel Harry. Uh, I think that he could, he's got upside. I think he's got potential and he could be someone that, that wouldn't cost you a lot to resign, but who has proven productive and who has proven productive, uh, has had good number three wide receiver numbers, at least for one year. He'd be somebody I'd keep an eye on on free agency. Um, draft wise, okay. Um, should the Vikings target a wide receiver in the draft? Uh, once again, this year, it looks like it's a very deep wide receiver class. We, I think we've been hearing that the last three or four years now. But uh, again, uh, I've already talked on previous shows. Okay, draft-wise, I think that we need to target a quarterback early in the draft. I talked about running back. We're pretty thin there. Uh, we we probably have to look at something later on in the draft, perhaps, and drafting a, a rookie uh, running back there. Tight end with the TJ Hawkinson situation. That suddenly becomes a, a need, I think, draft-wise. And so we haven't even talked about, like, what defensive, uh, <laughs> the defensive side of the ball. And we know we got lots of needs and there know, as well. Yeah, I'm about to say, a lot of attention is going to be paid over on the defensive side of the ball. And it should. So where do you work in a wide receiver who could come in as a rookie year and and make an impact and potentially be a number three or at least a viable option or, or provide competition? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with do the Vikings keep the nine picks that they currently have or do they look at or even do they trade and add a few more Um or do they trade them away to move up and get that quarterback of the future? That I think that might determine whether a wide receiver gets picked or not. But if it if a wide receiver does get picked, I would expect it would happen in when in that that day three range again. They got two fourths, two fifths, and two sixths, and so you've got a few bullets to run at there. And I think that some of the guys uh, that potentially could be available in that round don't know if the Vikings like any of these guys, but Brendan Rice, Jerry's son. 6'3", 210, a big-bodied guy, USC. He was productive there, not not out of the world productive, but uh, he's got some upside. He's he's a he's a big receiver. Um, and I'm sure his dad told him about everything he needs to go through to become a great receiver, whether he listened or not. Yeah, he's a teenager. Yes, that that's a whole different story. But I'm sure some of that has been seeded into his brain. Definitely. Um, and you know, another guy, Javon Baker from Central Florida, six one, over two hundred pounds, have been very productive there. Um, a couple of guys, Roman Wilson and Jamari Thrash, two guys that uh, our Tyler Forners really was impressed with at the Senior Bowl. Those are guys that could be available in that fourth, fifth round area. Um, you know, over six feet, over two hundred pounds and have been productive at the college level. Wilson less so, at least numbers-wise, but we also know that Michigan runs the ball a ton, didn't throw the ball a whole lot. Uh, and so Wilson's numbers would be much higher if he were playing in, like, Oregon or you know mm-hmm. some other pass-happy team, USC, for another. So those are guys that, again, I think wide receiver could be, we could address that in the fourth fifth, sixth round area. And those are some guys who might be available around that time and has some talent, uh, has some potential to be, to be good. And, uh, Norpheus thrown down their USC knowledge, uh, there. Uh, 
on the on the draft side of thing. I think the one wild card on our roster right now, I've talked about him a bunch of times before, though, is Jalen Naylor. Um, he's become kind of my man crush. It used to be, uh, <laughs> used to be, uh, Irv Smith Jr. And, uh, and then it was, uh, <laughs> and now it's Jalen Naylor. Good to now know. Good to know. Now it's Jalen Naylor. But we, last off season, by all accounts, he was, he was just tearing it up in OTAs and mini camps, catching everything. And then he got hurt early in training camp. Ham, I think it was a hamstring injury. And then when he got back into the game, uh, back into the some back into the lineup, he had a concussion and missed several games down the stretch. So uh, he never really got going last year in 2023. And injuries were one of the his the knocks on him coming out of Michigan State as well. Um, so you talk about this is a diversion. Sorry, folks, you gotta put up with Dave's ADHD. You talk about con- concussions. Listening this week, we talked. Uh, there was podcast. They're focused on helmet design and helmet design changing and how helmet design is going towards position-specific helmets. And we've seen some of that. You look at the linemen, and they've got that front visor-ish thing on there, right? Quarterbacks, they're working on patting the back because quarterbacks normally get concussions in the back of their head, whereas linemen, it's the constant front hitting of the head. When it comes to wide receivers, it's, it's the banging in the side stuff. So we're going to see more of that. Plus, listen to a discussion on turf. <laughs> Only Dave does this. The difference between turfs and grasses and the myriad of differences. It's just not grass versus turf. It's there's multiple types of turf. There's multiple types of grass. There's multiple types of weather conditions. There's multiple types of soil conditions. How it all affects football. But... Anyways, you got me off story because you're talking concussion and wide <laughs> receivers. And hopefully they figure it out so that Jalen Naylor doesn't get a concussion anymore. And he turns into that super stud wide receiver three that you want. Well, yes. And I think that he's the guy that if he can stay healthy this offseason, pick up where he left off with that strong offseason, get good reps under under his belt in the preseason and and show that he can be a viable number three, number four guy. He could be someone who really uh, ups the, uh, raises some of the depth concerns that I have about the wide receiver uh, position and, uh, and, and make it so that we don't have to hope that a fifth round or a sixth round rookie wide receiver ends up, you know, being the replacement to KJ Osborne. We already have him on the roster. Uh, and I think you're right on that. I think Naylor will be the one that steps up into that position. I mean, he, in, in small spurts, he's looked really good, um, mm-hmm. when he's been in there, but he just, hasn't been in there very much, particularly in 2023, which was, again, was a shame because it, 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 it missed opportunity for him and a missed opportunity for the Vikings to really know what Jalen Naylor is capable of when you give him a, a decent amount of snaps game in and game out. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to see what develops over the offseason, through the draft, through free agency. In the training camp, who comes in healthy? Who have we kept? Who stands out? Who takes that next year of development? Could it be Naylor? Very well could be. Would I like to see it be him? Oh, hell yes. But there's also also others that could fall into that 
segment. And I want to mention, you notice, everybody that's watching, notice I switched to the wide version without the images. That's because that's as far as the image loading I got. So we switched over here. Anyways, that happens sometimes. Not very often. Not very often, but it does happen. Everybody in the draft wants to know what's our picks for the Super Bowl. Darren, who... Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Who do you want to see win tomorrow, or what do you want to see tomorrow in the Super Bowl? I couldn't give two flying Fs if either of those teams won. Um, but uh, maybe, you know, um, yeah, I, I think the Four Niners are going to win. Um, and I'm not worried about, I think that Brock Purdy is going to play just fine. And uh, the 49ers are the better team. And uh, Pat Mahomes just won't be able to pull this one out for for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that's how I'm, I'm seeing it. But I think it's going to be a hell of a game. And uh, really looking forward to watching it. And I agree with other comments in here about how it's being close, how it's going to be close. 31-28 seems a little bit high for me considering uh, you've got the, the best quarterback in the league right now and, and an offense that's on San Francisco's side has got like tons of weapons and got a very good quarterback of its own. So you'd think that they, and a good uh, defense, and a good de- but both of their defense, their defenses are probably, are, well, Kansas, yeah. Kansas, Kansas city's case, their defense is better than their offense. And in San Francisco's case, their defense is might be a little bit better than, than their offense. And I think it's going to be tough for these teams to really score that amount of points uh, with how good these defenses are. I think you're looking at a game more in the mid twenties than in the high twenties, low thirties, but I see San Francisco winning it. And, that won't please me too much because I think that'll be their sixth Super Bowl, and that's enough for them. A five was enough. <laughs> yes, they would tie the. I think it's a tie. To your tie or second place, the most Super Bowls if San Francisco wins. I'm seeing it as I'm. I agree with you. I don't care who wins, really. I have no skin in the game, per se. There's a. I want it to be a good game. I want it to come down to the last drive. I want it to be entertaining. I don't want the referees to screw this up. However, we've seen before when it comes to Kansas City, playing Kansas City, the opposing team, i.e. the Minnesota Vikings, can have three penalties called on them or called against them, and then the flag suddenly disappear because it's Kansas City. Don't want that. Don't want it, Kansas City, because you know, you know, we're going to get the love story intermingled in between. And the love story's fine. I hope they go off and make tons and tons of babies, get married, have a wonderful life. I think it's fantastic. I hope they do. I wish all young people that fall in love do that. It's a beautiful thing. I just don't want it to overtake. The fact that we're playing Super Bowl football. Um, And that it's about, you know, two of the best teams by getting there playing each other. So now, who do I think is going to win? I have to disagree. I think it's going to come down to the better quarterback. Like I've said all season when we previewed games, 
80% of the wins come from the better quarterback. The better quarterback in this case is Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has been playing better in the playoffs, and their team's been playing better in the playoffs than they did all season. Whereas you get Brock Purdy, which is a heck of a story, Mr. Irrelevant, the one that gives everybody, well, we could pick a guy in the seventh round and he could be our next Vikings quarterback, right? Which I disagree. That's the anomaly. But Brock Purdy has not played as well in the playoffs. He's been carried by his defense and the rest of the team. So I got to give the edge to, unfortunately, the Kansas City Chiefs in this case. I just want it to be close. I think it's going to be a three-point game either way. So I don't want it to be a blowout either way. I don't want it to be boring. So we're all, you know, not caring after the first quarter. And some Super Bowls have been that way. I expect this one to be close and go down to that last drive. And that's what I'm looking for. But you're selecting the Niners to win. I'm selecting the Chiefs to win. We'll be back, not next Saturday, but next Sunday Mm -hmm. on the normal football day because it's the offseason with two old bloggers moving to Sunday starting next week. And we'll discuss how the Super Bowl went. How are the commercials? How many times did we see Taylor Swift? Did Kelsey propose to her? All that sort of stuff. We'll discuss it next week, next Sunday. But we hope everybody has a great Super Bowl Sunday and enjoy the game. Any last words there, buddy? I want to know how long it's going to take. When do you think they're going to show the 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 uh, inevitable sh- uh, shot of Hank Stram on the sideline against the Vikings <laughs> in Super Bowl five or whatever it was. God, like they, every, 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 you know, they do it every year that the Chiefs are in the, you know, make the Super Bowl, right? The last one they've been doing it. Ah, we're going to matriculate down the field. I, I just, man, you talk about something I hate seeing. I hate seeing that, but. <laughs> and we probably will. Yes, we yeah. probably will. Mark that on your bigger bo- boards, everyone, when we see Hank Stram. And they go over the Kansas City Chiefs winning in Super Bowl three over the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Yeah. As the Italians would say. We would. And also hope everybody comes back. Of course you would. But the next week, we're going to have a special guest on. We'll be talking quarterbacks again particularly college quarterbacks and who look really good and who might the vikings who should the vikings really target um and so going to be interesting and uh, stay tuned and tune in next sunday to two old bloggers because everybody loves to talk about quarterbacks and we're going to be talking about them mm-hmm. until then i want you all to be safe have a great weekend Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your beverage responsibly. Some great food. Enjoy the commercials. Enjoy whatever you like about Super Bowl Sunday. But come back next Sunday and join us on Two Old Bloggers. What do we say, buddy? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. 
Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.